Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Well, hey, can you just join me in thanking the worship team for leading us this morning? Uh, They're online. Those of you that are watching, Justin Brown and Matt Serrato and Zoe Bolden, KJ from Transformation Church in Charlotte, Andrew Kurt. Listen, it's incredible that we get to gather together as the church and still worship. And what I love about it is that the Spirit of God is not confined to the walls of some sanctuary or worship center. He's right there in your home. God's word says that, that he inhabits the praises of his people. And so as you're there in your living room or you're there in the break room or wherever you're watching this from, just know that God's spirit is there with you and, and that it transcends a building, it transcends geography. And so that's the beauty of worshiping together online. Now, I gotta confess something. Last week, uh, I was away on vacation. My family and I, we went down to Siesta Key, Florida, and uh, I got to listen to Stephen Lodeholt, our Somerville campus pastor, bring an incredible word from this platform. And I just want to go ahead and say, I'm not welding anything today. I'm not fabricating metal. Uh, Midweek last week, I was like, you know, I I looked at the, the podcast dropping and the video on YouTube, and I see him up here blazing stuff with a fire. And I just go ahead and realize I'm not going to do any kind of sermon illustrations for quite some time because it just won't be as cool. So uh, I'm not even going to try it. But if you have not listened to Stephen's message from last week, please take a chance, find some time this week, dial into it, talking about hardships and how God develops us through the hardships, builds our faith uh, in difficulties in life. So make sure you take time uh, to check that out. And I think it's timely. I think that word was timely because where we are right now with, with COVID, Um, with the political race that's going on, with so many of the tensions in our world. You know, the last five months have been just an interesting time, I think, for the church, for leadership. Uh, For me as a pastor, it's been an interesting, interesting season. And, um, you know, one of the things that's been asked of me that I want to address in in this particular sermon is, do you think it's the end times? Like maybe you've seen some posts about that or someone's asked you the question. Maybe they don't ask you because you're not a pastor, but hey, what do you think about the end times? Is this the end of the world? It's a cashless society. We've got this global pandemic slash plague. Uh, the church has been shut down, which by the way, hasn't been shut down. It's just been, uh, we've changed some methods. You can't ch- shut the church down. Uh, but is, is this it? Is this, is this the end? And there's almost this sense of like panic with the question, right? Almost sense of worry, like, and, and, I th- and I think what, what we need to understand when we start talking about things like end times or is this the it, uh, is this the end, I, I, is that for us, typically we ask that question with worry or concern. <laughs> but when we read the Bible and, and the text I'm going to take you to in just a moment, uh, in the New Testament, the Christians looked forward to the end times. They, they wanted Jesus to come back. Like, keep in mind, if this is the end, Jesus is coming sooner. So as the church, we should celebrate that, Right. Uh, we shouldn't get concerned or worry or fearful about that, which by the way, I don't, I don't believe it is the end times. Uh, I think that there's been moments in history that have been much worse than the, the, the minor inconveniences of our day here in America. Uh, but, but should it be, I want us to understand that as Christians, when we anticipate the return of Jesus and the end of days, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's not something to be afraid of. And today what I want to do is look at a passage 
that's out of 2 Timothy. And, and it really highlights this picture of how we as the church or we as Christians should act or be prepared when the end times come, when difficulties arise, when tensions take place. How should we carry ourselves? How can we guard ourselves? And, and what is our charge in how to live when we face the difficulties really that we see around us in these days? If you got your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And the way uh, I decided to title this sermon is um, going on when you don't know what's going on. Going on, pressing on when you don't know what's going on. I think when I look at the world right now, first of all, this past week on vacation, I unplugged quite a bit from social media. Unplugged from the news a little bit. Uh, I was in Florida. The state of Florida is just kind of pretended that COVID doesn't exist at all. They just look the other way. Uh, they just decided we're going to do what we do. And, and that's been their mentality. But I, I was off of social media. I was off of the news and I just wasn't paying a lot of attention to it. And it was amazing how much more peaceful life was, right? Like to step away from the mask debate for a little while. Should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? To step away from the school dilemma. School's starting back. Should they start back? Do we go virtual? Do we go online? Do we go in person? Step away from some of the tensions racially that have existed and the media has begun even selling more to us over the last couple of weeks. Step away from the po- politics and, and all the, the, the preferences and opinions that go along with that, just to pull away from it. And just, I began to realize, man, when I look at the world right now, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. It's hard to know what to trust. It's hard to know what to look to for authority. It's hard to know what to believe. It's hard to know... How, how to think for ourselves and what's going to guide our decisions. And, and when I think about what I'm about to read in 2 Timothy, chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4, what we have is a, a really a letter from a man named Paul to his young mentor named Timothy. Paul and Timothy uh, planted churches together. Paul had served particularly with Timothy in Ephesus. That's where this letter takes place. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy's the pastor of the church at Ephesus. He'd been there for about four years. Just to give you some context, this is about 30, 35 years after Jesus has gone back to heaven. So the church is thriving. The church is multiplying. Paul has left Timothy in charge as a young pastor of this church in a huge city. And now Paul has been arrested himself in Rome. So Paul's writing from prison. He knows that he's about to be executed. There was an evil emperor, his name was Nero. Nero decided, I'm gonna shut down the church. I'm gonna kill Christians. So it's no reason, it's it's, it's no question that he would capture Paul and sentence him to death. And that's exactly where we find Paul writing this letter. He writes to Timothy, knowing that he's about to die. And his charge to Timothy is how to carry on, even though people are trying to shut down what it is that you're doing. Second Timothy chapter four and verse one. Let's read this together. I would encourage you, mark this in your Bibles. Notate it in your smartphones. Second Timothy chapter four. This is what Paul says. Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. This is the charge. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths. 
As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Paul looks at Timothy, and basically what he says to him is, look, Timothy, here's your charge. I want you to preach the word, be ready in and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, and always be patient in your teaching. Now, you may be asking the question, what does this actually mean for me? You go, Brandon, you're, you're the preacher, like you're the Timothy, so this applies to you, but not to me. But I want us to understand, as Christians, this whole word applies to us. This whole word, like, so when we read those verses, what I see in these verses, when I pray you see in these verses, is that we have this great apostle Paul saying to a young believer, if you want to endure and not just survive, but thrive in this season, and you go, what season? Well, for Timothy, the season was the church was being shut down. His mentors were being killed. His leaders were being arrested. They could not meet in public. Like everything was being squashed when it comes to the advancement of the kingdom. But Paul's going, Timothy, if you want to survive and make it through this and you want to thrive in this season, here's your fourfold charge. Preach the word, stay ready, exhort, rebuke, repuve, reprove, and, and always be patient in your teaching. The same is true for us. If, if you as a Christian, and by the way, I'm talking to the Christians right now. I know that, that there's many that are tuning in right now that would not say they're a Christian. You're curious. Maybe you're questioning. Perhaps you've come back to church this morning. You're, you're watching and you're wondering what we're going to be talking about. Can I just share with you this, this particular word today is more for the Christian we obviously have stories like Kiana, we celebrated earlier that you're watching online, you don't have a relationship with Christ, but that's a decision that you need to make. I'll get to that in a moment. But for the Christians in the house, if you want to thrive in this season, you want to see God work in your life, you don't know how to deal with all the distractions and deflections and the discouragement and the difficulty that we're facing right now. Here's your fourfold charge. And I'm going to break it down because I think we can learn from this. The first is you got to preach the word. You have to preach the word, you say, well, does that mean get up on a stage like you are and preach? No, no, no. Can, can I just tell you where, where my preaching is most prominent in my life is in the mirror? Like it's preaching God's word to myself. It's knowing it well enough that I can open up this book and it shapes the lens of what I believe and how I act and how I interact. You need to do the same thing. You got to preach the word to yourself. You go, what's the word? It's the gospel. It's the good news of God's salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, that forgives you, that changes you and calls you into mission with him. That's the good news of the gospel. And you go, well, I've made that decision and I got saved and I got baptized. Listen, can I just help us understand today the good news of this word? It's the lens through which we see everything. Like the, the gospel, the word, that's the lens through which I see relationship. What does that mean? It means that when relationships are broken in my life, whether it's in my home, in my family, in my friendships, in my workplace, the gospel tells me it is my charge to reconcile that relationship, to go and make it right, to take the lead, to go apologize, to seek to serve, not be served. The gospel shapes how I interact relationally. The gospel shapes my view politically, reminds me that uh, my hope is not in a White House or in a president or in any leader, which by the way, it never has been. My hope is in a king that is not of this world. And so when it comes to politics, it, it does, it's, it's not a bad thing to be engaged with politics, but if politics becomes the things that you worship 
and you believe will bring hope and change to this world, it's going to let you down. It always has and it always will. The gospel shapes my politics. The gospel shapes how I see finances, right? Like, is my hope in money? Am I trying to build wealth and barns here on earth to store up treasure? Or do I have an eternal view uh, and a heavenly view of finances in such a way that I don't put my hope in money? The, the gospel, the word is, is how I view purpose. It's why I was made. I understand that God has called me into relationship. Why? To help bring others into the same thing. Well, I want you to understand the gospel is not just for lost people to get saved. The gospel is for believers to understand more about who we're supposed to be in the kingdom of God. That's what Paul says to Timothy, preach the word. And while I'm on it for a moment, there, there's a big difference between the word and a word. Right? Like if you're anywhere on social media, you'd be like, mm, that's a word right now. Yeah, somebody dropped some truth. Listen, not all that's really the word. It might be sound good, it might look good, and it might make you feel good, but it's not necessarily the word. And if you really want to uh, make it in this season, you would do really well to base your life on the word, not some word that somebody dropped that inspired you, but the word of God, because that's what's going to bring eternal change. Paul says, preach the word, and I want us to understand that for the Bible-believing Christian, in other words, when we open this up and we actually live out everything that it says, you are embracing the reality that you are stepping into a minority group of people. Biblical truth has never and will never be majority. What I did see this past week was out in Portland, the protest in Portland, and one night, just Bibles being brought and dumped on to this fire. I watched this play out on a video and I thought to myself, man, they're, they're burning the word of God. That means nothing to somebody that believes this book is not powerful. But if we actually believe that this book is the word of God, the living, breathing, active word of God, there is a certain offense that comes as a Christian to see it burned on the streets. But instead of getting mad at that, judging that, I've got to ask the question, you have to ask the question, why is that happening? Because that's going to that's gonna shape my response to that happening. And I'm going to become burdened for those people instead of angry at those people. We have to stop acting people, uh, expecting people that don't know the word to act like people who do. But for those of us who do know the word, or at least own it, right, can we all just agree that maybe some of us own a Bible, but we don't actually open it, so we don't know it? If you don't know it, you can't preach it? Or you feel scared to preach it? Maybe you've heard the excuse, I don't really know what to say. Man, everything to say isn't here. So spend some time getting to know it. It gets to my second point today. Paul says, hey, preach the word and be ready in and out of season. Be ready in and out of season. My second point is stay ready. Stay ready. If, if you're a Christian right now, you, you've been pressed on more issues over the last couple months, probably than a long time for you. Maybe it's, it's your view on racial reconciliation. Maybe it's your view on why God's allowing this to happen. Maybe it's your perspective on how to treat people who disagree with you. you you've had to deal with a lot, we have, as Christians. And the reason this season has been so difficult for some of us is because we just weren't ready for it. We weren't ready for it. Uh, I, was, I was looking at the Olympics that was supposed to take place this summer, you know, I got a Facebook account. Facebook reminds me of time hop. Four years ago, I posted a picture of Michael Phelps about to get in the pool. And, and you guys remember Michael Phelps making his run for all the gold medals. And I began to think, man, for an Olympic athlete, 
for the Olympics to take place this summer, which they were supposed to, getting that delayed is a huge deal. I mean, I think about Charleston. We've got uh, Burke High School, Raven Saunders, right? Like Raven is in the Olympics. She is probably would have won gold this year had they competed. But of course, the Olympics got delayed and it's like, oh, that'll just take place in 2021. You know how big a deal it is for the Olympics to get delayed? I was reading that for, for some of the athletes in the Olympics, four to eight years, they train for that moment. I think about youth sports right now. My, my son's playing youth football. City of Charleston decided that they're not having a youth uh, tackle football season, which is fine. We found another league. But, but for youth sports or college sports or high school sports, here's what's happening. They're delaying the start of the season and then they're going to go, oh, we'll be ready. We'll start some games. You realize you can't just show up with a 14-year-old, right, who's been playing Fortnite all summer, pull them onto a field, strap a helmet on and say, let's go, Oklahomas. They will die. You, you have to acclimate your body. You have to get ready. There's an on-ramp. That's why there's training camp and getting cardio right. That's why you practice for a week or two before pads and helmets. You have to get ready to actually engage. Paul says, look, stay ready, church. Stay ready. Because when it hits, whatever it is, it may be a relational crisis. It may be tension in your marriage. It may be an illness that you didn't see coming. It may be cancer that hits your family and you had no idea how to deal with tragedy. It may be a miscarriage that you were ill-prepared for because you were getting a nursery ready. It may be getting laid off from a job and you thought you were making a career out of that position. Listen, when it comes, if you are not ready and you don't stay ready, you won't know what to do. You won't know how to respond. And the question you should be asking right now, and I asked it as I read this, How do I stay ready? What does ready look like? First, stay stay in the word. If you don't have a Bible reading plan right now, you don't know how to open up this book and process what God's saying to you through his word, please reach out to us. Let us know in the link right now, watching online. Reach out to your group leader. Reach out to one of our staff. We'll get you on a version plan. We'll mail you a Bible. We'll get you in the book of John to understand who Jesus is and how he interacted with people. Stay ready. Stay in the word. That's, that's one and that's the primary way. The second way is this. Get into community. Get into relationships. Gospel-centered relationships. Relationships where you talk about Jesus, not where you just talk about sports and talk about work and talk about what. I'm talking about where you talk about spiritual things and what God's saying to you where you can ask questions about questions you have about the faith or challenges that you're walking through. Have relationships that are centered on Jesus and his word. Third way is this, man, get connected to a church and you go, how do I get connected to a church right now? We're completely online. Listen, that's true. We're going to be coming back in person, hopefully soon. But until we do, stay connected on Sundays. Get engaged, send in an email, send in a text. Let us know we want to be in community and relationship with you. Stay ready. That way, when whatever it is comes into your life, you know what God's word has to say about it. You got people around you that can shoulder the burden, pray with you, encourage you, love you, serve you. And the reason to be connected to a church is so you can be that for somebody else too. Church is not just a place where we come and receive We actually find our lives by giving it away. 
And so when you connect to a church, you're embracing this call to be a part of something so much bigger than yourself. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, stay ready in every season. So when it comes, you're already ready. Can I just tell you this? There's gonna be some college athletes this fall that shine. You never knew their name. You didn't know their story, but they've been busting it over the last six months. Why? Because they were prepared for what was coming this fall. Stay ready, church. Stay in the word. Stay in relationships. Stay in community. Stay in the church. Third thing is this. Mix up your methods. Now, hang with me on this because you guys know how I feel about big Christianese words. We hit, we hit some pretty, pretty big Christianese words right here where Paul says to Timothy, um, I want you to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Now, if you're watching and you already know what those words mean, that's cool. You probably should be preaching. But for me, I had to look them up, okay? And, and this is ultimately what the words mean. Paul says, I want you to reprove. Reprove means that you go to somebody and you address a sin, you address a conflict. It's used in Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus gives us um, really the method to reconcile with someone that offends us. In Matthew 18, he says, look, if someone has sinned against you, which listen, I mean, if I consider the thousands that are watching right now, somebody here has been offended by somebody. There has been someone that sinned against you. Jesus says that you are to go confront them, let them know about their sin in an effort to reconcile the relationship. Reprove means that you address sin, you address the issue in somebody's life. Now, rebuke is different than that. Rebuke is you condemn sin. You condemn sin openly. Like when you think about Jesus, when he rebuked the wind and the waves, Jesus is literally saying, stop, I condemn you in the name of the Lord, stop. And it stopped. Jesus rebuked demons in people's lives, released those demons out of their lives. There's a time to rebuke sin. There's a time to confront sin, right? On a more intimate scale, there's a time to rebuke it openly. And then third is exhortation, which exhort means really a conversation. Let's have a conversation about this issue. Let me try to bring you into understanding and teach you what God's word has to say about it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Better way to review those words in our common language is this. Confront a sin, condemn a sin, and let's have a conversation about it. Those are really the three methods. The third of which I believe works best, but can only really happen in the context of great relationship. It's what we see Jesus doing more than anything else having conversations with people, not just running around condemning everybody or even confronting everything. He had conversations with people, but you'll never have it outside of relationship. What I want you to hear me say is that it's not enough just to know God's word. Like I know right now there's some of you that are watching, you're like, look, I've been a Christian for 20 years. That's my story. I've been a Christian for 20 years. I know the word of God. I know the story of it, the start, the finish of it. I know so much, not that I've memorized it, but I, I know the principles within it. I can take you to certain passages and books and give you the content and the, the context and I can help teach from it, preach from it. But here's the deal. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, it is not enough just for you to know the word or to preach the word. You gotta mix your methods with different people because you're gonna deal with all kinds of different people. There's gonna be people in your church, Timothy, that know more than you. There's gonna be people in your church, Timothy, that have been through some trials you hadn't been through yet. 
So their faith is weathered a little more than yours. There's going to be some people in your church, Timothy, that don't believe what you believe or believe different things about what you believe. There's going to be people in your church, Timothy, that don't look like you, don't think like you, don't make the same money as you, are not the same race as you, don't have the same education as you. Timothy, there's going to be all kinds of people in the church that Jesus desires to have. So you better learn how to deal with different people. Mix up your methods. The problem with so many Christians is they got one method. They got one method they go with, right? I know the word, so what am I going to do? Boom, I'm going to condemn sin. I'm going to condemn it all. I'm going to call everybody out. Everybody that's in sin, I'm going to let you know about it because you need to know about it because God said don't sin. Well, guess what? You don't have a lot of relationships with that. Some of you got one method. Well, I'm just going to have a conversation about it. Just want to talk about everything. Y'all, can I just tell you, some things don't deserve a conversation. There's some sins, like we just came off this series on racism. You don't, you don't have a conversation about racism. It's a sin. You condemn it, you call it out, and you say it's not acceptable in the kingdom of God, period. And that upsets some people, let them walk. But you don't have a conversation about whether or not we believe partiality is something allowed in the church or the kingdom of God, because God already condemned it in his word. Some of y'all just want to have conversations about everything. You got to mix your methods. There's times to call it out. There's times to have conversations. There's other times that you go confront, right? A close relationship where you just feel like somebody's wrong. Go have the conversation, confront them, address it. Paul says, Timothy, mix up your methods. My son, Braley, I'll use this example. Hopefully this will help you understand what Paul's saying to Timothy. My son, Braley, is an incredible fisherman. It's a hard thing for me to stand up here as a dad and go, my son is better at something than I am. But he is. Braley is a better fisherman than me. Let me explain why. For most of my life, this is how I would fish. I would get my surf rod, big as I could get. I would go by Hadrils, Sullivan's Island, Mount Pleasant, get a big old box of squid, chop it up on the beach, get the biggest hook I can find, and sling that thing as far in the ocean as I could. And I'd wait. I'd wait for a big shark. Some of y'all are like, that's inhumane. It's fun. And I, I, would, I would wait, and I'd wait for the rod, like, you know, and I'd and, and I pull it in and get the picture and... It was incredibly fun for me. Well, when the day came, I started bringing Braley along. And Braley's like, uh, Dad, I, I got to bring my, my, my tackle rod, my bait rod. What do you mean, son? You don't need that. We'll just go by Hadrill. Let's get a box of squid. No, that's, no the, 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 the fish that are, that are going to be the bait for the shark, like, they're swimming in the same waters. So I'll, 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 you, I'll just bring my rod. I'll fish for bait. I'll get, I'll get live bait, and we can use that. And I'm like, yes, yeah, son, that's going to work. Good luck with that. Pops knows best, right? And Braley takes his rod out to the beach, starts throwing out his, his tackle rod, his bait rod. And what do you know? He's, he's pulling in live fish and putting them in his five-gallon bucket and putting those on the surf rod and throwing those out. And I'm looking at him, watching him, going, my goodness, this kid is just running circles around me. His granddad on YouTube taught him how to fish. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd just be like me throwing squid out. If you go to Braley's, Braley's tackle bag and you realize he'll grab a certain rod with different bait, to fish the freshwater ponds in our neighborhood. We got home last night from Siesta Key, Florida, where we vacationed and we were in salt water all week. Last night he grabs his rod. He's like, dad, I'm gonna go across to the pond real quick with Ricky. Sounds good, son. Comes back five minutes later. Hey, I caught a big catfish. He didn't do that on the saltwater rod with the saltwater bait. He used a freshwater rod with freshwater bait, right? Like you gotta use certain methods depending on the atmosphere and the context in which you're fishing. Well, listen, Jesus called us to be fishers of men. What does that mean? It means you're going to have to change up your methods to actually build relationship and reach different people. 
The same stuff that works in one context will not work in the other. It's why you can get in a small group at a church, a group of 10 people who are Christians, and you can say certain things and uh, embrace accountability and call them up to who God's called them to be. But if you take that same mentality into your workroom, where the other nine people in the circle don't know Jesus, be really careful about your methods because what will work in the circle won't work in that one. You got to change it up a little bit. And Paul says to Timothy, look, in these days, make sure you're using the right method. What's it mean for us today, church? Listen, you can say some things in a small group where everybody uh, is, is pursuing Jesus together. You can make some statements that if you make that same statement on Facebook, let me just keep in mind on Facebook, you might have 917 friends, 300 of them might be Christians, 50 of them might actually be following Jesus. And of those 50, they probably aren't gonna contribute to your conversation. So you can drop a line on Facebook, next thing you know, you got 50 people commenting on it, berating you, why? Because you used a method that was good for small group in, in a pond that wasn't ready for what you were dropping. So be careful what you say and where you say it. At the same time, Some of the conversations or even confrontations that need to take place at your workplace or in your neighborhood or in those relationships, you need to handle them with a little more grace in small group where people actually embrace the accountability, right? And they're they're asking for your help and they're asking for discipleship. What I'm saying to you and what Paul's saying to Timothy is Timothy existed in a world where he was leading a church, pastoring a group of people, but there was an entire culture and community that was hostile to God. And Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, if you're going to embrace being a follower of Jesus, if you're going to embrace these scriptures, you've got to be willing to cater the word that you know to the people in the places that you go. Because if you don't, you're, going to, you're not only going to create more problems for yourself, but you're going to misrepresent the gospel that you're called to carry. So preach the word, stay ready in and out of season, mix up your methods. Sometimes you reprove, which means confront. Sometimes you just Uh, rebuke, which is to condemn. And sometimes you exhort, which means to welcome in and actually teach somebody, have a conversation about the truth. And then lastly, and I want to close with this. He says, Timothy, always be patient in your teaching. Be patient. One of the reasons I'm terrible at fishing is I'm not patient. I mean, I want to fish and I want it now. What do you mean it takes 15 minutes for a shark to bite? That's ludicrous. What's wrong with these sharks, right? I'm so impatient. It's a struggle. It's been a struggle my whole life. Paul says, be patient, Timothy. Why? Here's why. I think patience falls in different categories, but ultimately I think we need to be patient with ourselves more than anything else. Right? Like I I think about COVID and things slowing down or shutting down. And I tend to think of myself as a pretty productive person. And I'm a builder. I like to see things moving. I like to see things growing. I like to see people developing. And when all that kind of came to a halt, it was really tough to be patient with myself and go, it's it's okay. Things are going to be slower. Things are going to be different. But I also think it means to be patient even with your understanding. Y'all, spiritual maturity, this is so important. Spiritual maturity takes time. It takes time. Some of, you, some of you got baptized a year ago and you're already thinking that you, you should be out as a missionary. You should memorize like a whole gospel. Or, y'all, it takes time. Spiritual maturity is it's, it's like a crock pot. It's not a microwave. Like if you want a quick meal, you want some quick nourishment, You can heat up a hot pocket and it'll satisfy your desires, but man, you want a good meal? You're gonna put pot roast and carrots and potatoes and it's gonna crock pot for a couple hours and then it's actually gonna be beneficial and nourishing. That takes time. 
Spiritual maturity takes time. So be patient with yourself. And also be patient with other people. Right? Like, it's so easy to, to think other people should be where you are, or other people should know what you know, or other people should actually be far along enough in the journey as you are. Y'all, it's patience in discipleship is incredibly important. Paul tells Timothy, be patient with people. They may not get it right away. They not, may not believe right away. They may not embrace the truth right away. But through relationship over time, you'd be amazed at the progress that people will make. Be patient with other people. And lastly, I would say this, be patient with God. Be patient with God. You know, one of the greatest realities that I've had to understand as a believer and even as a pastor, God doesn't work on my timetable. Like when I pray something, it doesn't mean that he has 24 hours to answer. But if I'm patient and I'm persistent in my faith and I wait on him instead of calling him to join me, It's amazing the things that I'll see God do in my life. Y'all be patient in your relationship with God. Don't try to expedite it. Don't try to rush it. The only destination is heaven. So we got all life, right? To grow in our walk with Jesus and become more like him. Be patient with your faith. Be patient in your relationship with God. And and I'll close with this. Paul, Paul closes out this passage telling Timothy, I believe it's verse seven. He says, look, I have fought the good fight I have finished the race and I have kept the faith you know it's interesting in in 1st Timothy chapter 6 the first letter that Paul writes to Timothy the first letter he tells Timothy hey let let us fight the good fight let's continue to fight the fight believe in what we believe and now here we are this second letter and Paul realizes the end is on the doorsteps and he says "I, I fought the good fight I've kept the faith I finished the race. Can I just encourage you in these days, like make sure we're fighting the right fight. Make sure we endure in our faith. And the same way that Paul says, look, now I'm about to step into a crown of righteousness that has been stored up for me. He's talking about heaven. Paul says, look, my end has come. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. I'm going to heaven. Look, that, I want that to be all of our stories, right? That we're faithful in these days and that we finish the race that God called us to. Listen, I want you to know I love you and I believe in you in these days. I know that our groups are taking a break during this particular month. But for some of you that are going, look, I need to stay ready and I need to stay prepared and I need to get in community. September's coming. And in September, we're going to be calling you to step back into groups and step into relationships if you don't already have them and start meeting back together in homes and getting in God's word together. There is no better place for you to do that at Awakened Church than through our groups. Maybe it's joining a ladies book chat. I know some of those are happening online right now. And they'll be meeting back in person in September. Look, as you look ahead, make plans to do what it takes to stay ready, to stay connected, to stay in God's word. That way we're not playing catch up later on. I wanna pray for us and then we'll close out our service together. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the charge this morning that Lord, we're called to not only believe your word, but to know it. And know it in such a way that we can preach it. We can deliver your good news to other people. God, I pray for someone listening right now who just feels a renewed commitment to get into your word, to open it up, to hear you speak, to know more about you and your plans for their life. God, I pray that they would act on that, that they would reach out and ask for a reading plan or 
link up with somebody and go through a you version plan. God, I pray that you would make us more faithful to your word. God, for the person listening right now who hasn't been ready, they haven't been prayed up, they haven't been uh, prepared, they don't have the relationships to the church. God, I pray they would accept this charge to just get ready and stay ready and not have to prepare later on, God. I pray for the one that's listening right now, Lord, who's, who's, who's not been doing well in terms of mixing up their methods and how they interact with people, who haven't been patient and graceful, who haven't condemned sin for where it needs to be condemned, who've been having conversations about something you already condemned. But God, I also pray for the one who is struggling right now, God, because they don't have anybody to have a conversation with. God, I pray that you would allow them to reach out to the church so that they can find that and they can have that and they can become more like you in the process. And then lastly, God, I just pray that every single one of us would be committed to fight the good fight of faith, to finish the race that you called us to, to know that he who has started a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. That God, you called us, you'll carry us, and you'll carry us all the way through to completion in Jesus Christ. I believe that, I pray that for your people this morning. And I ask God that as we wrap up this service, all the worship, all the words, God, I pray that we would just be drawn into more obedience and intimacy and deeper relationship with Jesus. It's in his name that I pray and all God's people said, amen.